Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. And here we are, less than a week to go to Christmas. Today is a guest episode, and I am so pleased to introduce you to Debbie Lewis. Debbie is the Regional Ecosystem Manager for NatWest's Enterprise Team covering the East Midlands and East of England. The team is responsible for building and nurturing strategic relationships and regional stakeholder engagements. Debbie is also an entrepreneur herself, having successfully scaled and exited a chain of hair and beauty salons before starting a career in coaching. And she is still involved in supporting the salon industry today. She is also a passionate ambassador for apprenticeships, women in business, and is a NatWest climate champion. Thanks very much for coming on to the podcast, Debbie. It is brilliant to have you on today. Oh, Leslie, thank you. I know it's been a while in the uh, in, in the calendar, and I'm really excited that we got to it. So thank you for being patient with me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Great question. And I feel as though um, if I look at the various chapters of my life, they will be they they don't form a very um coherent story. I have definitely ping-ponged from scarcity to abundance my entire life. Um, and my personal life, my money story has been very different to, to my business life. So strap yourselves in. It's going to be a bit of a roller coaster, and we'll try and get it covered off in the required time. But I guess starting right back at the beginning, uh, I'm an only child. Uh, I grew up with my my parents in a council accommodation. Um, My dad was a taxi driver. My mum worked in a supermarket. And really, their only aspirations for me were to get married and have children. Um, I was a really average student at school, very much A to C grades. Um, But I knew that I wanted more from my life than my parents had ever aspired to. I have no idea where that came from. I'm often asked who were the role models at that early age. Um, But really from about eight or nine, I remember thinking there must be more to life than what we're living. My parents were very happy, but I had friends on both sides of the track. I had friends who lived in these gorgeous village cottages whose parents drove nice cars and they went to private schools. And then we had people like me who lived in council accommodation and uh, we could never afford the latest clothes and and money was scarce. Um, And and 
through the, the chapters of my life, um, we faced bankruptcy, homelessness. Uh, and then as I went on to open my business, uh, hemorrhaging 50 pound notes and, and four by fours. So many and varied. And what lessons do you think that has taught you? That actually, whether, and I know this is a cheesy saying, but I stand by it, whether you have money or not, it's not the root of happiness. You can be incredibly happy when you have very little and you can be incredibly unhappy when you have a lot. Uh, and often it's not with either way, it's not without sacrifice. So um, I think I've learned that life will be OK, whatever happens, um, that there you can bounce back from any situation um, and that actually the people you surround yourselves and how much you want change, I think, are the, are the main determinants of, of how you can move from where you are to where you want to be. Oh, absolutely. And what do you think has been your biggest lessons along the way so far? Um, so twofold. The first is um, that financial literacy is so important in business. I I winged my way through the first 10 years of running a business um, to, to huge financial um, benefit and, and success. But I never had a grasp of those numbers. So when things started to go wrong in my business, I didn't recognize it. And although my accountant was fantastic, I very much used my accountant as a carrier bag at the end of the year. Tell me how much I owe the tax man and off I go again. I never did financial planning in my business. Then when I nearly lost everything, including my home, um, it, it was a real revelation to me that actually financial planning and financial literacy unlocked for me the uncertainty and the fear and the doubt. And I kind of 10 years in thought, wow, imagine how much more successful I could have been if I'd known this in the beginning and used it in the beginning. And then the second lesson is if you actually can't deal with those things. So if you are not able or frankly, you don't have time and you hate it, outsource it, but have regular communication with somebody that you trust um, and who really understands your life, your business, your end goals, uh, because there is no one book of truth when it comes to money and financial planning. Um, so getting someone who's really aligned. So sorry, I know that was a long answer. No, not at all. No, not at all. And what you said there resonates so much with me, you know, around the need for financial literacy. Um, I was reading something about two or three weeks ago that said 87% of 11 to 18 year olds do not feel they know enough about money, which is no surprise because financial literacy is not taught in enough schools. Mm. In the same report, it said, if financial literacy was taught to children from a young age, by 2050, there would be an additional 7 billion in the UK economy. Why do you think that message is not getting through to those who influence the curriculum within schools? Um, so with my NatWest hat on, yeah, um, we are doing a huge amount of um, money sense, yeah, um, interventions in schools. Um, we have a team, a dedicated team, who go out to have those 
uh, introductory conversations. And as part of the enterprise team, we're going out to adult groups of communities to give that basic level of, of financial literacy. However, I think there are a number of barriers. First of all, uh, and I, I don't live and breathe this world, but I understand that there's a real challenge around the amount of hours that are required uh, to teach the basic curriculum. And if you look at all of the nuts and bolts of extras that we we would love to include, mm. um, you know, from um uh, cancer awareness to financial literacy to safeguarding to scams and and fraud all of these things you could argue that they are all fundamental mm-hmm. and certainly i would have benefited personally from understanding more about uh credit accounts and apr and my credit rating than i would cosines and um I can't think of another mathematical uh, focus but yeah. certainly there are there are better uses however lots of this work is happening so if schools are not leveraging the absolutely free of charge support um, and advocates like yourselves you know there are huge numbers of experts yeah. who want to go in and teach make yourself known put yourself forward bang on that door time after time because more often than not when i speak to um, educational leaders they're open to it it's just somewhere on that list of of priorities and they haven't got to it yet so i think you've got to be having the conversations um persistently and frequently and you will get you will get it in there they want to include it they are open to it yeah. uh, and definitely we're seeing and um, certainly the rise that the rose report um reported this year on the annual review was that actually the biggest rise in um, in female startups in business was in that youth sector. Yeah. So we know that this work is coming through and we know there's loads of organisations that are doing great stuff, just not enough for the number of young people. Absolutely. I had my, my little boy um, said to me, he's 14, he said to me about two or three weeks ago, he'd always had this dream vision from about the age of nine that he wanted to be an investment banker and he said to me the other day he said mum I've been thinking I don't want to be an investment banker I want to have my own business like you and dad so I can spend more time with my children like you do when I'm older and I thought wow that is the impact I wanted to have on my children when I left corporate life was for them to realize we were doing it to create a life for them that was that meant they were surrounded by their two parents rather than their early lives which fortunately they can't remember i was spending more time in london than i was actually at our home in wiltshire yeah. meaning my my husband who was self employed was having to do the majority of the parenting because yeah. i was the absent parent and to hear him say that made me think this life i've chosen of an entrepreneur which is very much a roller coaster life is very much one i am so proud of the fact he he sees that we were around for him how yeah. has your money story impacted how you bring up your family? Oh, great question. So I I don't have children, right. so I, I guess the the impact for me is is it, with friends and family. Yeah. When I ran my business, um, my business consumed me. So I I started a business in my very early twenties, 
no plan, no vision. I just didn't want to work for anyone else. Loved the hair and beauty industry and bought a salon. Um, and and at the time I'd I'd left university, I was I didn't have a home, as in both of my parents had separated, remarried during the four years I was at university. They'd resettled. I was welcome to live with either of them, but wasn't really what I wanted no to do. I wanted to yeah. carve my own my own path. So I was I was living in rented student accommodation. I'd finished my degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just thought, I want something that's mine. And actually, I've always loved being in the hair and beauty industry. Going to buy a salon. I mean, I probably had 20 quid in the bank and no assets. So it was a stretch. Um, But fortunately for me, um, the funding and finance that was available um, was there for people who had graduated from university. So because of the fact that I ticked that box, I was able to borrow 100% of the money to to buy a small village salon. And I grew that from three to 47 staff over um, best part of 15 years. Um, And Initially, it was absolutely fine that it consumed my life because didn't have anything else. But actually, as I got older and I um, wanted to spend time with my parents who were getting older and also to, to meet somebody and to settle down, I had built and created this monster that did not operate without me seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Um, and we were, we were knocking on three quarters of a million pounds turnover at that point. Just me, little me, never did any business training. And um, I remember thinking, I didn't really think this through because <laughs> now I don't know how to get out of it other yeah. than selling it. I didn't know how to remove myself from a business that I had built to need me. And, and actually, now that I've I've I scaled and exited that business with the help of a business coach and my accountant, and now I coach others, um, the amount I have learned, I wish I had done it the other way around. Yeah. Because actually, my life would look incredibly different if I still had that mega monster successful business, but I actually knew what I was doing with it. So I guess what have I learned about about friends and family and legacy is actually I have a better balance being employed now than I had when I was self-employed. So I don't always think that entrepreneurship and flexibility go hand in hand, Um, but that you can achieve basically it's be careful what you wish for where you focus you'll see results yeah and if you plan for a life that allows you to to focus and prioritize um the things that are important to you if you set that in the planning you can absolutely achieve it our world is so flexible these days um so yeah i, I guess it's just be really clear on on the non-negotiables and i love that because you are so right there's so many business owners that i speak to that when they sit down and think about it, they're so far removed from the reason why they set up their business in the first place. And and I was absolutely like that as well to begin with, partly because of my nature, because I'm kind of addicted to my business and I am that I am that real entrepreneurial spirit but actually I realized that I was ferreting myself away we're in my garden office now so we're not connected to the house I was ferreting myself away when I should have actually been down in the house 
you know, with the children. Fortunately, they were a little bit older. They were early teens. But you are right. We can think that running our own business is that real ticket to freedom. But if we don't plan it properly and we don't think about how we're going to grow that business without us constantly at the helm, it'll end up being more of an albatross around our neck and offer even less flexibility than actually a salaried job would do so. So for those listening to the podcast who are either, you know, as, as you've said, you know, there are a lot of young people now who are thinking about setting up their own business, or there are people listening to the podcast who are running their own business, but recognizing that they are far removed from their reason why, what would be your tips to them to get them back on track? Um, brilliant question. My The favorite thing for me that we teach on the NatWest Accelerator is strategic visioning. It's something that, in my experience, not a lot of entrepreneurs do, but when they do it, it's game changing. So it is, and there are many ways to do it, but my favorite way to do it is we get you to completely switch off from everything. So whether that's come out of your place of work or close all the doors, turn off the lights, you're going to close your eyes like you would in in meditation. And you're going to imagine yourself 10 years in the future. And and that so many entrepreneurs will say, it's too hard. I I have no idea. I don't even know what I'm doing next year, let alone 10 years time. And so we start to talk them through some guided visualization techniques. And it's not as woo-woo as it sounds. This is close your eyes and think about in 10 years time, you've reached the pinnacle of your, your success. You have got to what success looks like for you. Um, close your eyes. What, what can you see? Who is there with you? And, and instantly people will start to imagine whether they're working from home, whether they're looking out of a high rise building, whether they're on a beach and working remotely. And we talk them through very, very slowly a set of questions around who are you sharing this with? Um, what does your family or your circle look like? Some people are quite happy to, you know, love them and leave them, be bold and alone. Others are kind of saying like very much like you said, I want to be connected to that family unit. I want to be available. So we get them to think through in a series of questions, what does success look like for you in your life? And then we start to talk about your bank balance, the car you're driving or your mode of transport. For some people, it will be a private jet or a helicopter. For others, they'll say, I just want a car that doesn't break down every five minutes. And no one scenario is right or wrong. But actually what it makes you realize is if you're sitting there after 15, 20 minutes of guided visualization and you can't answer one question, then you probably haven't got a very good plan in place to drive your business forward. And we very much use the analogy that strategic direction or strategy is like programming your sat-nav as if you're on a journey. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a destination that you plug in and a very clear North Star or guiding light or something that you want to achieve, what happens is you will just drive around aimlessly for years. And 
again, if you're a traveler, if you're a traveler on this journey of life and you're just happy to go with the flow, there's nothing wrong with that either. But if you really want a very specific outcome, and and for many, particularly women, they don't think about profit and wealth. It's just not programmed in. We've got to start having those conversations and we've got to start forcing people to say, where are you going with this? Where is it taking you? Because a lot of people are building businesses that A, can't operate without them, Mm. B, are not profitable and C, are just, you know, they're only going to run while the person running them is is applying that same effort and pressure. So if that's what you want, great and fine. No one's knocking that. Yeah. But know that that's what it is and don't be distracted by investment, scalability, accelerator programs. Just know it's a lifestyle business and plan how you do that balancing act. But actually, if you really have got an appetite for growth and scale and internationalization, wealth, you really want to go somewhere, then start asking questions and start being really bold about making those statements. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I coach a year 10 at a school in Wiltshire. And one of the exercises I get the children to do is to imagine their life, you know, in 10 years time. We do a little bit of a warm up exercise to get them into that frame of mind. And you reminded me as you were talking there of of one chap who's because one of the things I get them to talk about is what you're going to be driving. And one of the chaps said to me really proudly, I'm going to be driving my own John Deere tractor. And it reminds me that success, you know, is different for all of us. But we're not necessarily encouraged to think of success as anything other than binary when we are younger. And that normally success equals huge amounts of money which is not the case, you know, at all. Success definitely means different things to different people. Um, And in that conversation, you know, there was the chap who wants a John Deere tractor and there was somebody else, you know, who wanted a fleet of Lamborghinis and, you know, neither is, is right or wrong. Why do you think there is still in 2023 an approach to success at the moment, the conversation in the media, et cetera, is still very binary. You know, it's around a big monetary value rather than different layers, different interpretations of success. And now for a short break. Are you ready to embark on a transformative journey that'll help you unleash your full potential and break free from limiting beliefs about money? Discover the power of consistent daily action for setting the foundation for your financial transformation. Introducing the 30-day Boost Your Money Confidence Experience, the start of your journey to mastering your relationship with money. Elevate your money confidence with daily emailed action prompts, each building on the previous day and emerge with transformed thoughts, feelings and actions around money. Click the link in the show notes for full details. Now back to the show. So not with a NatWest hat on. My personal, personal view of this is the economy is better when businesses are at scale. So when when businesses become employers, when um, they start to export and import, when they start to need funding, 
there's there's ripple benefits to the whole of the economy, the community, and others. So it it makes sense to me that we that that's the narrative because we need that to build a strong UK economy. We need that to employ people, and not everyone is going to be an entrepreneur. There are some people who. They, they just enjoy being, you know, doing doing the bare minimum at work and that's fine, doing a good job, but going home and having other things. Yeah. And some people who just don't want to work and, you know, whatever that situation is. I think when we talk about success, often we are we find our tribe. So we will be we will be shaped by our families, by our culture, our heritage, our familial experience, um, legacy beliefs. Um, we will be it, our our impression of success will be impressed upon us. So whatever we are exposed to or we see other people um, championing as success we will think is success. Mm. But there certainly are pockets. I mean, you've got to look at B Corp, where purpose over profit, that has had a massive rise in the last few years, charities, social enterprises. I think if you live in that world, they they would argue that it's it's not the be all and end all and that, that success, it doesn't equal money. Yeah. But the general uh, newspapers, television coverage, and certainly the government's angle you know, rightly so, is on scale and and how how much and how big can we get and grow. And I get that. And it gives us lots of opportunities for others, but it doesn't mean it's the only way. Yeah, absolutely. And what you said there, you know, with regards to, you know, the, the, the people that you are, you know, you're surrounding yourself with. You know, you and I met on Clubhouse and I joined Clubhouse when I was relatively new in I was probably about 12 months in to my second business in my first business because it's based in France and Switzerland we you know we can only we can only meet those people a few times a year so we were very insular to a certain extent but that didn't matter with my coaching business the fact i was able during lockdown when i was growing that business to experience you know a whole wealth of people from all kinds of backgrounds from all kinds of experiences with all kinds of ambitions that really helped to shape me as far as the business person i am today so I know you are you you are you are focused on and around you know Milton Keynes and that that seems to have a really thriving community of collaboration and of sharing that that knowledge and those connections together. How important has that been to you in what you do? So massively important. And I go back to what I said before about if I knew then what I know now. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, so I I sold my business and it completed and I had no handover period per se. Um, and after three days of retiring uh, and with this desire to invest in property and then just see where life took me, uh, on the third day, I was climbing the walls and thought, I have got to do something. I, I just don't know what to do with all this time. And a friend of mine suggested uh, I go into business coaching. And um, I, I then found the NatWest Accelerator. 
And just as you said about uh, Clubhouse, my first experience of going into an accelerator with a community of entrepreneurs whose only similarity was their passion and desire to grow. There was dog walkers to NASA consultants to tech uh, platform generators to hairdressers. You name it, the whole range was on there. Some of them were in their 60s, some of them were in their teens, huge, huge variety of life experience. And I remember in that moment when I I walked in and we were chatting and I thought, everyone's very candid and honest. I've literally just met you and you're telling me about, you know, your profit levels and your, I I thought this was all stuff we kept to ourselves. Um, And it was really going through that journey of meeting other entrepreneurs and realizing that even when somebody has got a business that is nothing like mine, I can still learn something from them. And it's still, I will always learn something by being surrounded by other people in similar situations. But it also made me realize how I think we approach business in a really detrimental way. We we decide on our own, usually, or a small, you know, one or two, three people, maybe. And we tell our family who are often yin and yang, to us. So they either they're terrified for you and think, what are you doing giving up that safe job to do this? And your pension. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) My father. All of that, yes. (laughs) yes. Or they are, um, we talk about loving the ugly baby. They convince you this is the best idea ever when actually it's a bit of a damp squib and it's never going to, never going to go anywhere. So your friends and family are almost, (laughs) you know, going to trip you up from the get go. And then you plow on into business and the the majority of business owners will talk to their employees about their business. That person in in the nicest possible way is employed for a reason. They have no interest in starting a business. Otherwise, they would. They'll be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you very much rely on what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've learned, what you've read online. And the trouble is, is there's no manual. There's no golden bullet silver bullet that will that will take you through to success regardless of what any expert will teach you even as and, and you'll know as a coach even though i have a huge range of experience i could not tomorrow do the same business again with the same philosophy and have the same success there's too many external factors yeah so it's about we teach build measure learn you try something you then reflect on it, you take your learnings, then you tweak it slightly, and then you build again. And you keep that consistent feedback loop um, with every aspect of your business. And I think being around other people, it keeps you from just doing this. And you hear things like, for example, a grant, um, you know, I've, oh, I've got this money from the council, the growth hub, the government. Oh, that's interesting. What did you do? Or click here, here's the link, or let me introduce you. All of those things, getting off your island and spending time with other like-minded individuals can be game-changing, yeah. but it also can be not working as opposed to networking. You've got to make sure it's in line with everything else that drives your business forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I th- and I think that is it. I, you know, I do sometimes reflect how different my business would be if I'd continued to be, you know, relatively isolated, maybe just going to the occasional in-person networking group, because 
I wouldn't necessarily have known about all the online stuff that takes place as well, but also to realize that people are all at different stages of their journey. Some are behind you, some are ahead of you, some are literally alongside you, but you all have something to offer each other as long as you lose the ego, are willing to help and are willing to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, you know, I am nervous. You know, I shared just now about my son saying he wants to go into business like us. I applaud you because you off the bat from university set up your own business. I never had any ambition to run my own business at all. I was a corporate girl. I was in corporate for 20 years. And if it wasn't for the fact that I wanted to be present for my children, I don't know if I ever would have left the monthly salary, the pension, the company car, the private health, etc. I'm glad, very, very, very glad I did. But I think I needed to see those around me who were doing it and doing it successfully to give me the confidence to do it. Whereas mm. you had the innate confidence to just go and do it. Blind optimism. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked out really, really well. Really, really yeah, well. I mean, it did, but not yeah. without, you know, I, it had, I had my sobbing in the shower tray moments, you know, I, I had... Uh, it, it, there were just as many hard times as good times. But I think going back to your point about surrounding yourselves and being authentic and candid and um, and, and honest and open is remembering that not everyone is. Yeah. And, and certainly on Clubhouse, I, I saw people who uh, were purporting to be incredibly successful. Yeah. And yet when you then dug into it, it, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors. So I'm not saying it was lies, but it, the background that I was yeah. seeing didn't stack up with with what was being said. And, and I think that's true of a lot of people in businesses. They feel they have to put this front on. Um, social media has made it ever more um, possible for you to look very successful, even when financially you're not. Yeah. Um, and also, what are the metrics? Because again, we we were turning over, you know, knocking on a million pounds uh, a year turnover, but my profit was negligible. Um, before I started to really focus on my numbers, turnover is, we talk about it being a vanity metric uh, and that profit is, is sanity, but, but actually there's segments of that as well is um, you might be really profitable, but but if you don't have a great cash flow, it can still close your business. Yeah. But going back to that whole, Know a little bit of everything, know a little bit of everyone, but take what you need and don't don't put all of your eggs in any basket, whether that's a person, a business, uh, you know, always have one eye on what if, always be risk proofing and future proofing your business because nothing, as we learned in the pandemic, nothing is promised. No. I mean, Crikey! If that wasn't a roller coaster, roller coaster of resilience for entrepreneurs, I don't know what was. Absolutely. No. I, yeah. Carry on. Sorry. It's it, we 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 exist in cycles. So if you've if you've gone through that, know that a period of abundance is coming as long as you're you're set for it. Um, but when you're in abundance and there is success, know that there's probably really really hard times ahead because yeah. that's life. 
Uh, that is so true. You know, it, it is remembering that everything is cyclical and remembering, as you said, pay attention to your numbers, put money aside, you know, for a rainy day. Don't have don't have an attitude of I'm going to enjoy it all. I'm going to spend it all now because because of that cycle it is going to be change. Because I think for me anyway, change has become the norm that nothing nothing is going to ever stay um, as it was pre-pandemic you know what we're hearing about AI you know the good and the bad you know AI is going to create changes so make sure you're ahead of those changes that you're in charge of how those changes are going to impact you rather than sitting there and waiting for somebody to make those changes that are going to affect your life. Yeah, 100%. We we teach the change curve. There is a curve, much like the curve of grief, the curve of change, and how quickly you can respond and iterate um, is key to how much you get dented. And, And obviously your ability to bend and flex and pivot is significantly reduced if you yourself are emotionally, psychologically or financially depleted. Um, So sometimes a business could absolutely bounce back, but the business owner has just had enough and and the business dies with their energy. Um, So I think think that whole um, having your, your end goal in sight, but knowing much like a blocked motorway or a felled tree, you might have to take a different route sometimes, but know that you're on the right path and, and your why, you know, Simon Sinek talks about the, yeah. the, the why. Um, I'm a massive believer in that. You mentioned your son. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always been since leaving the business, I wanted to create something that made me feel like somebody. And my business definitely did that, but it made me feel like somebody who couldn't get away and couldn't have a holiday, which was maybe not what I thought through. Now, very much with the work that I do, um, this for me, the passing on of of help, advice, signposting, particularly for women in business, but um, minority, ethnic, diverse entrepreneurs, um, the underrepresented groups, because I was definitely, when I was in business, I always thought of myself as everybody else knows what they're doing, but but I'm the council estate girl who bought a salon with no business degree. And I've always had this massive imposter syndrome. Um, No one in my family had been to university. No one in my family had ever owned a business. So for me, I grew up always thinking what I was doing was luck. It wasn't. I was just very intuitive to what the business needed. But had I have surrounded myself earlier with the people who could help me to leverage my my skills and my natural ability and coach me through the things I was horrified that I didn't know and embarrassed and didn't share, I God, my life could have been so different. But we live and learn, right? So now my legacy, I want to be that that I can help others shorten that route, um, but also just be really open about having conversations. Nobody has got this shizzle worked out. No one, no matter what they tell you. I have sat and interviewed mega stars uh, and the business scene, and they still have failures that they don't shout about. And they still have days where they think I'm in this meeting and I have no idea what people are talking about. Every single one of us is winging it, but doing our very best and getting the support we need to get to the next level. 
Oh, so true. So very, very, very true. So what excites you about the future? <sighs> There's, I still am involved in a couple of side hustles. You can't take the entrepreneur out of the girl. Um, I would love to do to do more with my platform. I'm very, very um I'm very aware of the platform that I've I've been able to create with NatWest and the speaking opportunities that I get that I want that to be with purpose. I want there to be um greatness that comes out of that, that it's not just a profile self you know self profile building awareness piece i want it to have meaning and so i'm really thinking about what's next my monica mrs d lewis has has definitely grown arms and legs um since i joined the bank 5 years ago i can't imagine not being involved uh with natwest enterprise because truly what they do gives um with, without anything in return it's very much a if you need business support it is there for you free of charge regardless of where you bank and whilst that purpose-driven message is front and center um I know that we will always be doing great and good things so long may that continue um but we're, we're still renovating houses I'm still coaching and mentoring and sponsoring a lot of uh, particularly young women um that I'm that I'm working with and I guess for me now it's the volume game of how can I help as many particularly women in business as possible uh with the number of hours that I have in a week and the resources at my disposal so that no woman has to build a business alone or feel that they're not good enough or stay in the shadows because there are an awful lot of incredible female founders who just haven't found their voice yet. And they are too brilliant to be kept in the cupboard. So we, we've got to find a way of getting them out. Absolutely. And not only are they too brilliant to be left in the cupboard, as an economy, we need them. You know, we need them and everything that they bring to the table, because the only way I think we are going to recover as a country is on the back of what we entrepreneurs deliver, grow and develop. Did you know that the um, potential, if women, and I hate this phrase, levelled up to the same outputs as their male counterparts, what they would add to the UK economy is £250 billion. That's the underserved. Yeah. That, you know, and that that is so, so massive. It's just, it just takes your breath away, doesn't it? It really yeah. does. Yeah. So this, sorry, carry on. I was just going to say, and, and the, the the saddest thing for me is it's not ability, it's not talent, it's not even um, appetite. It's that there are too many barriers in the way, perceived and real, actual and in your mind barriers. And so I think if we can tackle the mental barriers and that caring, the disproportionate caring um, that that women in business do, um, it's it's something that I can't change as a as a one person band. But but I'd love us to have more conversations because actually I think when we talk to women, they put themselves at the bottom of the list. Yep. And it's not just women; a lot of men will as well but we recognize that these are some of the barriers to to women pushing themselves forward is if not now then when what's the plan and what what can you do what could you do tomorrow you know little by little um if we can get women having those conversations even down to seeing role models you know when I, when i think growing up 
really the only incredible female role models I had were Margaret Thatcher and Madonna. And I mean, I don't think I've particularly turned out like either of them, but they helped me and encouraged me to use my voice and be me. Um, and, And that was what helped me. But there will be millions of women out there who don't see themselves and their situation represented. And and actually, there are people very similar to them who look like them, sound like them, have their backgrounds, who are doing incredible things. We just haven't given them a spotlight or they haven't found their spotlight. They don't need us to give them a spotlight. They just, I think, need to be encouraged. We call it um, leave the ladder down. When you've made your way up, leave the ladder down for the next person, encourage them up. Um, So kind of my rallying cry, really, at the end of all of my my speaking engagements is um, not not why you, why not you? Um, But also, if you can have one conversation today with somebody who is just a step behind, you never know what you might inspire. So talk more, celebrate more, be the change you want to see, but, uh, but also be greedy. Be, want more because whatever you want you can have yeah absolutely and that does remind me there's, there's a there's a plaque up in the uh the hall of my boys school and it's it's a it's a mixed school it's not a boys school it just mm-hmm. happens i've got two boys and it says you know if not you then who Love. and i think that is such a such a powerful message mm-hmm. so the most important question i'm going to ask you given everything that you've said i think is this one how can people connect with you Oh, thank you. Um, so you can connect with me across any social platform. I am I am across all social platforms. Just search Mrs. D. Lewis uh, or Debbie Lewis NatWest. Um, but all, all the details I know will be on your your um, show cover. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come and, and talk to you today. I've really enjoyed it. No, thank you, Debbie. I have loved it as well. And I know my listeners will equally have loved it as well. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.